That's why I'm saying to go, go through it. That's what people are, are going to be doing. That's what they do. They, they body up. They body up. All right? Ducosi's going to try to get off. We have to keep guys out of our paint. Our defense has not been bad. It's been, it's been okay. It's been, at times, it's been really good. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 161. Today we have Coach Keith Parsons. He's the head boys basketball coach at Hamlet Middle School in Rockingham, North Carolina. <clears throat> he is uh, one of the uh, great coaches of the system. Even though he is coaching middle school, uh, he's, he has tremendous amount of input into what's going on in system basketball. I think you're really going to be excited about his ideas and concepts. So let's talk about him a little bit. He worked in journalism for 14 years after graduating from Elon University in 1992. Six years with the Associated Press, first in Atlanta, then Raleigh, North Carolina. He left that in 2006 to move back to his hometown to work as a banker, which he did for 12 years. All the while, he kept in touch with basketball through coaching his daughters and refereeing. And he followed Grinnell and all the other teams who ran the system. In 2015, the coach of the local high school in Richmond County Senior High School in Rockingham, North Carolina, asked him to volunteer as an assistant to help out teach the system with his team. He did it for two years before he retired, combined a record of 38 and 16. They set the record or helped set five North Carolina prep records in that time. He retired and the new coach did not want to run the system. So he missed a year and finally decided he had to get back in the coaching. He quit his banking job to enter the teaching profession. He teaches in the business department at Richard, Richmond Senior High School and coaches the girls and boys golf. And he also coaches the boys basketball at Hamlet Middle School. And he's been doing this for two years. Uh, just another side note, uh, his dad was the late, great Benny Parsons, 1973 NASCAR Cup champion and winner of the 1975 Daytona 500. I find that really cool being a NASCAR fan. We're going to ask him a few questions about his dad. But what we're going to find out here is he is considered um, really kind of an expert on, on running the system. I know there's a lot of coaches out there, but what's more amazing, he runs a system at the middle school level, which to me is very, very, very rare. So I'm going to really pick his brain on what he does with his middle school kids uh, running the system. So let's welcome Coach Keith Parsons. Hey, Kevin, you there? Good morning, Keith. How I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How's it going out there in North Carolina? Oh, everything's great. Everything's great. Been uh, been kind of rainy here the last couple of days. Had that uh, tropical storm or whatever moved through here yesterday, but we're hopefully clearing out today. Yeah, I hope so, man. The whole South is getting that. Of course, you know, um, you know, I'm a NASCAR fan, so I was a little upset that um, the guys couldn't couldn't ride yesterday. So um, hopefully that that is good tonight. I guess they're doing it tonight. Yeah, it's supposed to go out tonight. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's cool. You're a NASCAR fan. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. To uh, you know, I didn't know your dad uh, was uh, Benny Parsons, man. That's 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 uh, that's pretty cool. I want you to share a little bit about the experiences, um, you know, growing up in NASCAR. Oh yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I, I have uh, was telling somebody the other day just so many great stories that that you know are, are more, <laughs> I guess, behind the scenes or stuff that 
you know, not even on the track that, that I'll always, always cherish. It was, uh, it was a wonderful, certainly a wonderful, wonderful way to grow up. Yeah, no doubt. And I sure it's special, man. I think, um, <clears throat> I mean, NASCAR has really come a long ways. Don't you think? I mean, it was, um, uh, I mean, just starting back, I mean, just really hasn't been recently, man, the popularity of it's been unbelievable. And I, I do think it's really cool right now how it's standing out alone. I think they're doing a great job with the virus, man, running running these races. Well, I think so. And it's, you know, they're promoting awareness <laughs> of, you know, how important it is that everyone wear masks and, and social distancing and all that. You know, I think they're doing a great job of of just promoting that because so many, you know, people wonder if that's what's right to do and, and how you need to do it. And I think even the governor of North Carolina and his, his health, his health expert have, have both praised NASCAR for their handling of their, their first races so far. So hopefully that helps it get it back to where, you know, fans can, can come back sooner rather than later. And, and we can get back to a little, little normal anyway. Absolutely. I think it's setting the tones. I, I noticed, I think the other professional sports are going to go with it. Um, and, and obviously it's going to be different, but you know what? I mean, if you really think about it, we need sports. Um, and we'll, I mean, they'll adapt and so forth. Uh, I heard the, uh, the other day that the NBA is going to do some type of, uh, uh, tier program, almost like the world cup. I thought it was kind of cool. I think it's going to be different. I think the NBA needs to change anyways. What do you think of that? Well, sure. I mean, I, I you know, I've always wondered what they could do to, to make it more interesting for the, you know, the bottom, say, 20 teams in the in the league that maybe are not competing for a title or, you know, those teams to that maybe are, are tanking, so to speak, to try to get a better odds at a higher draft pick. You know, there have been several ideas out there. I know Bill Simmons has the idea of, of having a play-in tournament where the, you know, the bottom, uh, I guess, take the top 12 teams or something like that and let all the other teams uh, compete in a tournament to try to see who makes the playoffs and reward those teams for making the playoffs and, you know, always just to try to make it more competitive at the end of the season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. It'll be different, you know, uh, just like the NHL is going to straight to playoffs and they're expanding the playoffs to 24 teams, I believe I saw. So, you know, it, it's fine. I don't know if they'll they'll do it forever. Certainly anything, anything different and something, you know, I'm a unique guy anyway. I mean, I like things to be different every now and then. So I'm looking forward to see how it turns out. Yeah. And, and talk about different. We're going to talk about the system, man. And, um, I'm really excited. And before you start talking about the system that you run with your middle school team, which is very unique. I don't know too many middle school teams that do that. Um, talk about how you grew up and, and how important sports was in your culture. I mean, what you did and how it influenced on what you're doing now. Well, I mean, I, I tell my, my people all the time. I mean, I, I so want my daughters to, you know, wanted them to be a part of sports. I just, you learn life lessons. I mean, I remember, you know, you growing up and, and things are maybe not as serious. And then you get into high school. I remember when I first played varsity football when I was in 10th grade and, you know, we had a really good team and, and things kind of went off the rails toward the end of the season and, and watching kind of guys, you know, some guys pulling together, some guys not pulling together and really learning, okay, which, which one do I want to be? Do I want to be that, that divisive guy that's complaining about everything or do I want to be the one that's trying to lift, lift up my teammates. And so I really looked up to those guys, those upperclassmen who were, who were there trying to, you know, rally everyone around, Hey guys, we can still finish strong. Uh, you know, just the, the feelings you have are so, so emotional and so dramatic. And of course you're, you know, you're a teenager. So everything is maybe heightened and, and more uh, just important to you because, because, just the way your life is, but I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, it's, that's one of the reasons. Yeah, certainly I, I went into coaching. It's, I want to try to recreate that with, with students and young people and try to reach them and, and let them know that, you know, essentially we're all in this together, you know, whether you, you know, I coach golf as well as basketball and golf is a very individual sport, yet we compete as a team. So how can our better players help our, our players who maybe need, need some advice, need some pointers, need, help on the golf course, you know, let's make our team better while you still improve as an individual. And, and I just think that's what life is about, whether you're talking about sports or academics or once they're, you know, out of school, when you get into a work environment, you know, you need to improve yourself and you also need to improve working with a team. And uh, it's just life lessons, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it's so true. And really what you do, which makes it what we do, right? 
Keith, uh, as coaches dealing with youth, every kid's important. It doesn't matter whether you're the 12th man or first man, man, everybody's important. Really, to be honest with you, every student that I teach, I know has value. And sometimes we forget that it's not always about the, the A student or the top player and so forth. So you're definitely right. Hey, you were also a sports writer, man. You changed over, man. You got the bug and you went right in the coaching and teaching, man. I love it. Yes, I was uh, I was a sports writer, majored in journalism in, in college at Elon, what is now Elon University. It was uh, Elon College when I was there and uh, and did that for did PR a couple of years. But for the most part, I was always working for newspapers, got right, really fortunate in 2000 uh, to join the Associated Press. You know, the wire service uh, started in Atlanta, uh, worked my way into being a sports writer there and, uh, you know, covering the Atlanta Braves, Falcons. At the time, we had the Atlanta Thrashers there in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, you know, Athlete, University of Georgia Athletics, Georgia Tech. I mean, it was, it was just wonderful. And uh, then in 2002, I think I told you the story, I uh, was reading, just perusing, you know, stories from around the country that my other colleagues were doing. And I saw a story about this uh, tiny Division three college in Iowa named Grinnell College mm-hmm. and the style of basketball it used. And, and they called it the system. And I was a huge fan of Paul Westhead and what he did at Loyola Marymount. So I thought, gosh, this sounds like that. So I researched all I could, you know, asked the guy who wrote the story to send me stuff. Uh, once, you know, think schools started streaming games uh, online, started watching their games and just absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, 2006, uh, actually, I'll back up a little bit. 2004, got the opportunity to move back to North Carolina, my home state, to work in Raleigh and kind of be the sports editor for the Associated Press for the whole state, which was great. You know, now I'm covering, uh, you know, University of North Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest, NC State, uh, you know, their college athletics, which are huge, the Carolina Hurricanes hockey team. So that was great. And it was funny, I'd go to a Carolina uh, Duke basketball game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, you know, the Big, yeah. one of the biggest games in college basketball For sure. that's a big event and every, <laughs> yeah and everyone there is talking about you know what can jj reddick do what is raymond felton going to do for carolina and i would be the guy walking around hey have you, have you heard of grinnell college and, and what they do man they're scoring 120 points a game and <laughs> everyone looked at me like i was crazy but I, I don't know something about the system just just took a hold of me uh, 2006, I decided to move back to my hometown area, uh, work at a bank. It was more of a nine to five job. My kids were getting older. I had a, a new, a brand new daughter. My other daughter was going to start kindergarten. It was a chance to maybe slow down a little bit and, and be back home. I've got a, my brother lives here. I did that, but still, really, the system was was there, and uh, just man, just loved everything about it. So finally, uh, 2009. For my 40th birthday, my wife, I asked my wife, said, hey, do you mind if I plan a trip to Grinnell to go see a couple of games and, and talk to the coach and learn more about it? She said, no, that's that's great. I hope you do. So a buddy of mine and I drove to Iowa and uh, went to a couple of games. And gosh, you know, Coach Arsenal, David Arsenal, the guy that created the system there at Grinnell was so accommodating. You know, I, I kind of added I was writing a story about it for basketball times magazine using my journalism background so I mean we met for hours in his office he before the game he he, he let my buddy and myself uh, go into the locker room with him and just just loved it and through that found out there were other teams around the country using this style and so started following them and reached out to those coaches and just just loved it and really really thought man I really missed my calling I should have I should have gone into coaching myself I should have done this i could have been helping all these kids so fast forward a couple of years later 2015 the coach of the the high school team comes to me and and i'd been ta- i knew him pretty well and had been talking to him about the system for years and he knew a little bit about it and, and i filled in some blanks and he finally came to me and said you know what i'm i'm not going to be coaching much longer i think i want to i want to try this at high school will you help me will you volunteer and help me put in the system with our high school team and I mean, I said yes. And, and really, before I even talked to my wife or anybody about it, <laughs> that I went back and, and asked her, I said, gosh, do you, you know, do you mind if I do this? And she was all for it. She knew how I loved the system. And yeah. So, so helped him for two years and uh, and just just the greatest time. And, and he ended up retiring. And uh, so at that point, they the, the coach, the longtime assistant coach, full time assistant coach, they promoted him and 
and he was a great guy. He just wanted to do things a little more traditionally, and, and I understood that. So I was kind of a year without a team there, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm wasting my life. I, I really I want to do this. So again, talking with my wife, decided to, uh, to use my college degree, and, and I got a job doing, you know, going into teaching to what we call lateral entry, where I use my degree, and then I have to make up some classes here or there to get my full certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, found a job. Uh, coaching middle school, uh, which is great. I wondered how the system would work there, but but our guys love it for the most part, and and you know we're we're not the best team in our league, but we have fun, and it's just been uh, really the best two years of my professional life. I can't, uh, I, I just kicked myself for waiting till I was you know forty nine years old to do this. Uh, I wish wish I would have done it sooner, but we're having a great time. Yeah, you're really taking advantage of the moment though, and and. Um, hey, you never know. I mean, continue success, and hopefully you'll eventually end up at the high school level. Um, hey, but I, I did read an article about your former high school team. They really struggled. It sounds like the kids, just reading the article, and tell me if I'm wrong, the kids said they really enjoyed the system, and then they kind of went backwards a little bit and so forth. I mean, that that's tough to do. I mean, sometimes you have to stay with what works, but, you know, every coach is different. And I, I totally understand that, but it sounds like you guys had it rolling. We had, we had a wonderful time. We, uh, you know, in two years, we won 38 games, uh, which is, you know, people always ask, well, how was the team before? Uh, generally, we were probably a, won a couple of more games, uh, always into the seat. The team generally always makes the state tournament here uh, for the most part. Uh, we were able to advance to the second round of the state tournament both years, which is really the best they'd done in the, in the previous few years. Uh, but again, won 38 games in two years, including winning 20 games our second year, which was the first time the school had won 20 games in, uh, gosh, I believe 15 years or so. Uh, so it, it was great. Also along the way, uh, set five state records or helped set five state records, which which is always nice, you know, it's uh, to be listed in the, in the uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Association sure. record books. We, we uh, led, the, led the nation in scoring our second year. We averaged 100.9 points a game, the only school according to max prep, so you could find that, that averaged at least 100 points in the entire country. Uh, we had 17 of our 27 games. We scored at least 100 points, which was one of our state records. We first game of the year, we scored 50 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, to set another state record, uh, we had led, led after the third quarter, eighty to sixty-eight. Because so the game's kind of in hand, but you never know how the fourth quarter is going to go. And turns out, really, the other team had, had run out of gas. You know, as you've have you discovered about the system, it's all about trying to build to the fourth quarter till the other team gets fatigued and they kind of hit the wall. And our guys kept going, and and we ended up uh, scoring fifty points in the fourth quarter to set a state record. Uh, we. Uh, beat one of our conference opponents, uh, 141 to 105, which was a, com- a record, state record for most combined points in the game, and uh, six points short of the state record for points in the game. Uh, that was 147. We didn't quite get there. And then we, in the state tournament first round, we uh, won 123 to 118 in regulation in a state ter- state tournament game. So that's the most uh, points for one team in a state tournament game, and the most combined points for. Uh, a game in the state tournament. So, yeah, I mean, just amazing things. I mean, you know, the first year we ran it, our point guard won player of the year in the conference. We tied for the conference uh, regular season championship and won the conference tournament. So, yeah, we had a lot of success for sure. Uh, and they, you know, they did struggle with the wins, you know, the first year after. they We lost a lot of talent for sure uh, that was not coming back. And uh, it was the first time our, our current head coach had been a head coach. And he found his way, but they've, they've really bounced back and they had a really good year this past year, won 20 games again. So, I mean, I, I think that team's going to be successful no matter what they run and, and the current coach does a great job. With yeah, them. absolutely. On the, um, and I tell you what I'm going to ask. I really want you to focus on, cause I, I do interview a lot of high school system coaches. I have um, an affinity for you guys and I use, I, I wouldn't call myself a system coach, but I think I am. <laughs> I'm one of those like maybe I'm okay. in the closet, but because uh, we, I really believe in the the game should be fun, should be played up tempo, and you want to play as many kids as possible. So I definitely believe in the overall values of the system. Why do you run it at the middle school level, and how effective is it at the middle school level dealing with kids 
who are not as skilled, particularly from behind the line. We, you know, it's, it's you just do it. It's one of those things, <clears throat> you know, people kind of always say to me, gosh, you know, the first year we ran it at middle school, we had a, a fit, 15 players on our roster. And, you know, everyone who was eligible for every game, you know, played in every game, at least, you know, one or two shifts a quarter. Uh, and then this past year we had 14 players who played. And, you know, I talked to other coaches and, and they say, gosh, you know, you're really fortunate that you have, you know, 15 kids and now 14 kids who are talented enough to contribute in some way. And, I mean, without trying to be too, I don't know, uh, condescending, I mean, I, I want to say to them, well, you know what, you you have those kids too. You just have to give them the opportunity. Right. I really think, and, and maybe I've, maybe I've been blessed, you know, I've been part of the system for four seasons. Um, and we've, you know, we, in high school, we had 15 players on our roster and everybody contributed, you know, this past year, I mentioned we had 14 players on our roster. Uh, we played 10 games, won six of them, uh, had a really tough loss in the first round of our conference tournament at home. Uh, so finished six and four and, 14 player of those 14 players, everybody again, everyone played in every game. 13 of those averaged at least one point a game. And our 14th player went scoreless in that tournament game and finished with nine points in 10 games. So he averaged almost a point. Right. And so again, thinking back to my experience of even middle school or junior high, when I was in junior high, you know, when I was a seventh grader, I didn't play in every game. You know, I, I would get in some. And then certainly in high school, I didn't get in every game. So just I think you look at our team, our 14 guys that that played and everyone scored and everyone got a opportunity to do that. And I, I don't think many middle school teams can say they had 14 players who nearly averaged a point a game or 13 or 14 guys. You know, most of the teams we played, most of our opponents only played six or seven players. The other guys are not even getting in the game. So it's just, you know – you set out at the beginning of the season and say, we're going to do this. And then, you know, you certainly pick the guys. Now we're fortunate. We have 40 or 50 students go out for basketball at our middle school. Um, so we're able to really pick the best, you know, 14, 15. And, and again, I do believe, you know, you give a kid, if you think, gosh, he, he maybe is not as talented, you know, work with that kid, design your practice plan around that skill development, work on shooting. You mentioned the three pointers. You know, we had games where we shot really well from three, and we had games we shot poorly from three. It's, I think it's all about giving the kids the green light to take those shots, you know, learn in a game, and you just, just hope that, you know, you eventually get better where you're going to make those shots at the end of the season. Unfortunately, in our tournament game, we ended up, I think, one for 32 on threes <laughs> and lost by three points. So, uh, you know, that – that's the downside of it. But then the game before that, we made 12 three-pointers. We were 12 for 47 from three in the game before that. So, you know, it, it kind of comes and goes. Is I think I think the kids are better for it. You know, middle school sports is certainly not as, as serious, the wins and losses, as high school. Certainly everyone wants, to, everyone wants to win as much as possible. I'm more concerned with giving those kids a background of how to play basketball. So if they choose to play basketball in high school, then – they have the foundation where they can go out to tryouts and compete. They might not make the team, but they can, they can go out there and they know how to run a pick and roll. They know how to do a dribble handoff. They know how to, you know, shoot a three pointer to get themselves ready to shoot a three pointer, things like that. I, I just think it's huge. And so we're sending, you know, all of our guys to the high school level with those skills. Whereas maybe some of the other middle schools here with only six or seven guys playing, they're not, they're not sending as many guys ready to play. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I love that. And a sense now um, we have um, I coach girls and um, this year um, we had no cuts. Talk about crazy. Um, we had 20, I think I had 21, 22 players. And the reason why is I want to get more kids playing. Um, and you're, it sounds like to me, you probably would do that knowing you, you probably, if you could put more on there, but it's hard to play 20, but um, it's all about, you never know that that one kid that might not be that coordinated might grow six, seven inches, right, Keith? I mean, you never know oh, yeah. at the middle school level. I love what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, both years we've done it at the middle school level, there have been, you know, students that, for whatever reason, start off the season and 
they were maybe not not catching on as quickly as the other guys. We, we had one year, uh, one of our students uh, has diabetes, and so he had some issues with his physical, so he missed some games and practices early in the season. So he was really behind, but by the end of the season, we get in our tournament game the first year we did it, and and he comes in and and is just on fire. I think he scored seven or eight points, had four or five steals, and at the end of the game, he's one of the guys I had out there to try to close out the game. I, and I told the team in front of him, I said, if you would have told me before the game this player would have been on the court when it was winning time, I don't know that I would have believed you. But he has done enough. I mean, he he practiced. He did everything. We asked him practice. He never complained. He was there. You know, this past season or, or second season there at middle school, had another student who – I mean, turned heads with our high school coach. Our high school coach came to one of the games and asked me, gosh, who was, who was number 21? And I told him, I said, man, it's the kid that he's in seventh grade and came out and thought maybe he had some skills, but he's really taken to coaching. He's improved his shot. He's really learned what we do, how to play defense. He became one of our best players by the end of the year. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just an amazing, amazing thing when you take a kid who – maybe doesn't have the opportunity early. And then at the end of the season, he's one of the ones you're counting on. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. And that makes it all worthwhile. I mean, you're, I, I think as a coach, you're definitely, that's what, that's what you're there for. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're not just there for the best players. You're there to really develop all the kids. Hey, give me your goal. Hey, this is NBA skills coach, Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball. And I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. The question on that, I'll, I'll say it again. Um, what are your goals at the middle school level? Um, are you trying to still get 70, 80 shots? Or I'm sure it's modified for middle school. Yes, we're, we're modified for middle school. I, I don't concern myself with the total number of shots per much as shot differential, you know, in my – I was going to say limited knowledge, although I, I feel like I do have a pretty good knowledge of the system, but my limited experience of doing it, I think the shot differential is the most important thing. You know, we're all about uh, Doug Porter, who's a great college coach who's run it with, with women's teams and continues to do it, uh, always says system teams are, you know, we're not trying to make, put, make perfect shots every time. We're trying to knock the basket. We're trying to knock the goal down with just throwing the ball against the backboard. You know, we're trying to get up <laughs> yeah. as many shots as possible. So I'm more about shot differential. I'd like to get 20 more shots. That's what we shoot for, 20 okay. more shots than our opponent in every game. Whether we're taking 50, they take 30. Or there was one game I think we took 94 shots and our opponent took 50. You know, wow. was our best, our best outing. Uh, you know, we play essentially 24 minutes. Now, the first year we played, you know, 24-minute regular game clock. And this past year, our conference experiment, experimented with something, basically to try to help the flow of the game. We went to a 10-minute running clock for four quarters, and then it stops in the last minute of the uh, second, second quarter, quarter you know, sure. regular, and then stops in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter just to try to help the flow because, you know, middle school sometimes you get jump ball after jump ball, you get fouls. So right. uh, so not really sure how how many how many minutes our game for this year, although it was really good for us because one thing you do in the system is you really do not want to foul because – you give the other team an opportunity to rest, first of all, and it slows the pace. It kind of drags the game on. So having that 10-minute running clock for us I think was good in that it showed us, hey, if we foul, they're going to go to the free throw line. You know, 45 seconds might run off the clock with no action. Right. So where they're not running up and down the court, so they're not getting tired. Plus, our guys are only out there. We did our shifts in 90-second uh, increments, you know, okay. so – if you're if you're standing there 45 seconds watching somebody shoot a free throw, that means half of your playing time for that shift, you're not doing anything. So our kids took that to heart. We had a great season this year. Didn't foul. I mean, we we really did a good job of just making our opponents run and running back with them, and you know, uh, you know, getting back to that development. I think it's so 
so great that that our our kids kind of learn how to make those decisions on the fly you know they they really they learn how to do things at a high pace they're not we're not walking the ball up we're not having the other team walk the ball up so we're kind of have time to make our decisions everything's happening so quickly that you have to have to make those instantaneous decisions and I think that can that can only help them when they get further in their basketball careers. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. And and I think um, I'm going to have you really I'm going to get a little controversial here because I think the purest, particularly at the middle school level, you hear all these you know old high school coaches that well you know at the middle school level you know no pressing, you know all man to man you know we're going to be patient you know with the ball and. And which I think is okay, but the purists might not be correct a lot of times. I think sometimes, I think what you're doing is you're thinking outside the box because very few schools run the system, what you're doing at the middle school level. The question is, um, do you real? I mean, do you, who cares about the purists, right? Well, yeah. And I think, I think it's a great idea. The great thing about basketball is you can, you can play and be successful in many different ways. I mean, you know, even at the, the national level, you could University of Virginia, the slowest team in basketball. I mean, it seems like everything about basketball is going to more pace, 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 faster, faster, faster. And yet the University of Virginia is the slowest Division One team in the country. <laughs> they won the national championship 2019. So right. you can win in a variety of ways. You can be successful in a variety of ways. Uh, you just you have to do what's comfortable with you and, and what you know just happens to be what I know. Now, if I ran six, you know, if, if we played conventionally, could I, could we run man to man? Could we run, you know, a motion offense? Could we run like a horns set and do things? Absolutely. We, we could do that. And the kids would still get stuff. Now, my question would be, could I still have the need for 14 players to get in every game? I think at that point, you're probably doing it just with the substitution, not for the uh, not for the depth and not for keeping your players fresh. So I just, I think it's just a, a great way to do it. I would never tell anybody this is the only way, this is the best way. It's just the best way I know how to do it. And and I love watching our guys get after it. You know, so many people come up to me after games at the middle school. I mean, I had referees this year that would come up two of our games. We played 10 games and after two games, two different referees came up to me and said, that is the most exciting middle school game I've ever, I've ever seen. I love what you guys are doing. You know, that you take that to heart. Now, we honestly did not win either one of those games. And yet, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if, if it's fun for the referees, imagine how fun it is for the players and the fans yeah, and everybody else. So yeah. I think I just, I just love it. I, I, again, but I would never tell anybody it's the only way or the right way. You know, uh, I, I really try to caution, you know, when people ask me, oh, do you still wish you guys ran at the high school there? Well, no, because – every coach has to do what he or she believes in and you can be successful in any way. So again, our high school coach here does a great job. Uh, they had a really successful year this year. Who am I to tell anybody how to coach? I'm just doing, doing my thing and and having the most fun I can. Yeah. There's no doubt you really believe in it. And uh, it's getting more and more prevalent. It seems like, you know, with um, uh, Mark Hart's, you know, uh, zoom clinics, um, you'd be surprised, right, Coach? How many coaches are now interested in running the system? It's amazing how many new coaches I see every day. Oh, it's it's great, and I think I think it is. I think everything filters down from the NBA. You know, we talked about it. You know, everything in the NBA is about spreading the court, playing at a faster pace. You know, space and pace that all stuff. And all that kind of filtering down, you know, I, I do think what separates the Grinnell system, maybe, you know, we get on those, those zoom calls with Mark, which are great. And man, I've, I've had a great time, you know, seeing so many coaches do it. You know, the system can be broken up into several different subcategories. And, you know, I believe in that, or I'd use that Grinnell system where you're pressing all out, you're subbing five in five out every, again, we do, you know, 90 seconds, or if you have a, a, a regular clock you're doing maybe 40 45 seconds stuff like that now you can still do it if you you know Loyola Marymount ran their system and they press but they would fall back into more of a sagging man-to-man half court defense but still they're doing the same thing pushing the pace uh, yeah I mean it's I think it's great you you find a different ways to do it and 
again, I, I think it just makes the game more exciting. You know, I, I'm somebody that loves offense. I would much rather watch a college football game that's, you know, 50 to 48 than watch, a, you know, a 13 to 10 defensive struggle. Again, that's just me, my preference. So I love the way basketball seems to be getting more and more about, you know, pace and, and shooting threes and things like that. I, I think it goes back to Coach Arsenal at Grinnell who came up with this and, you know, he's cre- he created something that would be useful, you know, 25 years down the road. That That's kind of amazing. He had the foresight to what he created was way ahead of its time. And now more and more people are seeing the benefits from it. Yeah, there's no doubt he's the godfather. He's the inventor of it without question. Um, tell us about your offense you run at the middle school, because I know middle school it's about simplicity of execution, right? Because you're dealing with younger kids. So what do you do at the middle school level to get this many shots? Is it just based on, hey, if you're open, shoot it? Pretty much. I mean, we run <laughs> we, we run kind of the same, same formation, the same set that so many teams are going to now where, you know, say after a made shot <laughs> or even after a referee handled or something, our point guard will bring the ball up at a high pace, you know, at a sprint up the right side of the court, kind of, you know, if you think of a traditional middle school, high school court outside the volleyball sideline between the volleyball sideline and, and the regular basketball sideline, sprint it up the right side. We have, you know, a player in the uh, right wing. We have a player in the left wing. We have our inbounder coming as our trailer. And then we have somebody who would set up in the short corner kind of opposite of the ball. So we're trying to spread the defense, you know, horizontally, vertically, again, as a lot of people do, and we don't run any plays. We don't run any uh, any sets. I mean, we we play a lot of small-sided games in practice, three-on-three, four-on-four. We'll do some, you know, five-on-four offense advantage, things like that, just to work on things. But we'll, we'll run – we've given them options to run. You know, they can do pick and roll. They can do, you know, dribble handoffs. They can do backdoor cuts. They can, you know – you know, pitch and, you know, give and go kind of, you know, pitch it ahead and then run ahead. Just, we try to give them all those skills and then, okay, guys, when the game starts, use what you think will work, you know, make sure you work together as a team. And, you know, and frankly, a lot of our shots come off of, you know, kind of helter skelter, uh, you know, fast breaks after a steal or after a, a rebound, you know, defensive rebound, or, you know, we, we steal the ball on the back court and get a layup. So, but in the half court, we're just we're just trying to play basketball. We're not telling them, okay, let's run, you know, play two or play three. We just, no matter what the defense is in, if they're playing man, if they're playing two three zone or one three one, or even a you know full court defense, you know, we certainly have ways we want to break or press. But we're just telling them, get in your spots and move the ball, pass the ball, you know, kind of that I guess read and react principles. I've never studied much about that. From what I understand, it's kind of that where you. When you catch the ball, you know, have, make sure you have something ready to go and you want to either shoot, pass, or dribble within, you know, half a second. Right. And then just keep moving. And, and you know, that's that's what we do and, and work on. Again, we're not teaching them plays, trying to teach them how to play basketball. Again, hopefully that can help them down the road. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Actually, it sounds like our offense. I thought I was simple, but, uh, but I think simplicity is important. Uh, but do you have um, – do you have specific green light shooters or does everybody have the green light? We have, I mean, everybody has a green light. You know, I know that goes contrary to the Grinnell method, which I'm sure you've learned where they have their preferred playmakers or preferred shooters. And, you know, some teams develop pecking orders. And certainly I think, I think just organically your team is going to create that. You know, we had our point guard this year who was, was our best player. You know, he, he scored 28 points uh, in one game and uh, ran things for us, did a great job. Uh, I think everyone knew, okay, if, you know, when hands down, when, when things get tough, we need to make sure we screen for him or we get him a shot. You know, I think everyone knew. I think your kids will learn who needs better shots. That doesn't mean every kid on the court isn't able to take shots. Again, we I want that. I want every kid out there to feel as if, you know, he's our preferred playmaker. If the ball comes to him and he's open and he can shoot a three or he can drive, I don't care if he's our tallest player or shortest player. You know, we, we give everyone the green light from everywhere on the court. I just think that freedom is, is important, uh, not for any reason other than, you know, I just want them to feel empowered to, to do what they can and be the best player they can be. And 
if that means we, you know, shoot a few air balls or we miss some shots, you know, so be it. I, I just want them to feel like they can do whatever they want to do on the court and, and be the best player they can be. And that's how we go. Yeah. It's really kind of a fearless way. I love that. Um, I think a lot of coaches should adapt to that. And that is because um, man, how many times you see in a game where kid makes a, make, make, makes a, a, an aggressive mistake, you know, maybe a drive and a ball kicks off his leg, but really it was, it was yeah. actually an aggressive mistake. And you see coaches just ripping into him. It's like, geez, the, the kid, you know, I mean, I, I just, I'm really a believer that you allow kids to make mistakes to freedom, and then you try to teach the teachable moment, right? Absolutely. I mean, or even worse, in that your scenario, they immediately, you know, the kid dribbles the ball off of his leg, and the coach immediately grabs a sub and sends yeah. the sub in to, to get that guy out of the game. Right. You know, that what kind of what kind of message are you sending to that player? And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sounding critical and trying to be critical. I just I think there's a better way. You know, I think you would. I always try to think what you do in the classroom should mirror what you do on the basketball court. I mean, would you ever yell at a kid in, you know, in class for coming up with two plus two equals five? No, you wouldn't yell at a kid for doing that. You would, you would teach him or her. Okay. This is, this is how you get four out of that. So why would we, why would we do it on the basketball court? And again, I can probably have that more because I'm in middle school. I I just think that's, a great way to be you know we, we talk about participation and one thing i always talk about with the system kind of compare it like if you were a high school marching band director and so you had you know 50 members of your band and you guys practiced all week and everybody put in the time and then everyone dressed up friday night and halftime of the football game and the marching band goes out there and then you tell 15 of your band members hey guys you're not good enough to perform at halftime we're going to let our best 35 go out there which is what we do in basketball and football and baseball all the time, right? We, we sit those, guys, those, those students on the bench and don't let them perform. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about the system. You know, you're going to have everybody performing. Now, everyone's not a first chair, going back to my scenario. You know, other people have different roles, yet everyone gets the opportunity to perform in front of the fans and stuff. You know, I'm just such a big supporter of education-based athletics and getting everyone the opportunity so that's, that's another reason I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, that's a key word is opportunity. And a lot of kids do not get that opportunity. Um, I, I do think, and this, it's a whole other podcast, what you're talking about, but I do agree that we should have more opportunities, more programs for kids, um, for athletics, even if it's a sub-level. Uh, we got to get kids more involved in team sports. Um, defensive. Now, are you just, you know, Trapping everywhere. I, I'm sure you are. So what are you trying to, how are you trying to get that ball back within a certain time period on your defense? We want to, yeah, we want to trap, we trap the ball everywhere on the court. And then the other three mm-hmm. players are going to find passing lanes or players to guard to keep them from making that pass. You know, we, we really preach, you know, certainly if the ball handler gives you the opportunity to basically say, here, take the ball. Sure. You take it from the ball handler. Really, though, we want to get a good trap, get that ball handler controlled, make the ball handler pick up his or his dribble in our case, and then get a good solid trap, you know, feet together on the trappers, you know, their inside feet together so they can't break it, and then just make them throw a pass. And then we want to maybe deflect that pass. But if not, then we've got players out there that are going to intercept it. Uh, we do that all over the court. We do that in the half court. You know, we do it everywhere we play you know man-to-man somebody on the ball uh the other four players guarding their their players uh man-to-man on the court switching all screens making sure everyone's covered and then once the ball in, ball goes in the closest two players which ordinarily would be the on the ball defender would follow the ball to go trap they just trap and then uh everyone else covers you know it's uh it's kind of a scramble type defense you know it's the the simplicity of it is we do the same thing every time. The difficulty of, of it is making sure we can we can find those guys to to guard and and then we want the other team, we want to force them to the basket. We want to funnel that ball to the basket so where they're taking a shot within, you know, eight, ten seconds of every possession. We don't want them to re- reverse the ball over and make us work on defense. We want to push the ball to the basket. If we get a steal, great. If we don't, let them shoot. If they miss, great. If they make it, okay, we'll get the ball out and come right back at you and, and 
try to keep the pace going. That's yeah, absolutely. Doing. And I actually, I kind of figured that and that's, that's kind of our style as well, but um, it sounds like to me also you're subbing five in five out every 90 seconds. You're going to have fresh legs in all the time because to be able to do that, you know, you got is a lot of conditioning involved. Absolutely. And, you know, again, most of our opponents are going to play six or seven players. So the theory is, okay, you might beat us in the first quarter, maybe some in the second quarter, you know, hopefully at some point our depth overcomes your lack of depth, so to speak. And, and we can force you into making some mistakes you might not make earlier. You know, I've got a, a good friend uh, who's a high school coach and, you know, he talked when, when I was helping in high school and he'd always talk and say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can draw up a next to no press break to beat your press. The problem is I've got to beat it for 32 minutes with my same six or seven guys where you're going to have 15 guys rotating and out. And that's, that's sure. what it always is. It's, it's always sure. about, can we get deep enough into your bench or can we make your players who are playing tired enough where they start making mistakes? And, you know, if it, if it works great, then if it doesn't, if we foul too much, if we're, if we're careless with the ball and have too many turnovers that creates more dead balls and, and slow pace, then, you know, maybe we're not going to be successful that game. It's just always a race to see which one works. Can we, can we make you run enough? Do you get tired or do, does the game stay at your pace where your six or seven guys can keep up with our 14? Yeah, I love that. I'm thinking at the middle school level, you guys, uh, I'm looking at going, I know you create havoc at the middle school level because kids can't, kids aren't strong enough to make a lot of good passes and they, they panic a lot. I'm sure that's what's happening. So the games that you are not doing well, I, I'm assuming it's just you're just missing shots, correct? Well, it's it's that or, you know, occasionally we'll run into a team that has a a tall, you know, the tallest player on their team who's also their best ball handler and their best shooter. You know, uh, we ran into that probably three times this season and and lost all three games. Uh, it's so that that's the problem when your best ball handler, when, when you have a, a player who's taller than anybody we have on right. the roster and that that player can handle the ball and that player can shoot, and that player has a high basketball IQ. You know, yeah, you just have those special players, and, and we played 10 games this year and really had three teams that had those type of players, and it's hard hard to overcome that. You know, we're doing the best we can. Now, if we made if we made more shots, probably could win. But, uh, yeah, that, that's really the most difficulty we have. Or, yeah, like you said, mission shots. But even though, you know, we won several games this year going, you know, two for 26 from three, things like that. Uh, because we are creating those those turnovers and those opportunities. Again, the problem is when you get that one special player. Even really in high school, we had a couple of couple of players who were uh, able to you know to kind of run with us and, and beat those. And one ended up being a Division One point guard, and the other one's uh, playing Division Two down at Valdosta State. And they, you know, you just get that special player. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning player and it's it's hard to do anything but i would argue it's hard to do anything when you play traditionally either when you have such a good player so you just do the best you can and and hope that hope that things work out and again more often than not they do yeah and you probably were more competitive using your style more than if you did a traditional style i would imagine um practice structure and also i want you to talk about how are you developing shooters at the middle school level because i know that's going to take a lot of practice uh, but talk about how do you run? Because I know you probably don't have two hours to practice at the middle school level. Yeah, we honestly we, we probably could have two hours, but just because 
you know, again, I'm always been taught following the system method of less right. and more. Uh, we try to keep our practice to about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. We're going fast paced the whole time. We're uh, trying to keep the kids doing things. We want them when practice is over, you know, I would say 99% of our practices when we say it's done, the players always, oh, coach, can we do some more? Can we do some more? That's that's what you want. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, you, I've seen teams, certainly I was on teams where you practice for two and a half hours and it was done. I mean, everybody couldn't wait to get to the locker room. You know, our, our players seem to want to stay on the court. They want to do more. Uh, but, yeah, we focus on shooting. We, we do skill development. I would say our practices are probably at least half, you know, 45 minutes of of shooting, dribbling, layups. You know, one thing about the system, and I tell our, our players every every year, beginning of the season, if you make your layups, you're going to be able to score because we're going to get steals. We're going to have guys wide open. We're going to get offensive rebounds. If you make your layups, you can score. So we really focus on layups pretty heavily. And then you mentioned shooting. You know, Grinnell is, is somewhat famous for and people that run the Grinnell system having all their players shoot 103 pointers at right. every practice. Well, we're in a situation, we only have our two main goals that we can use. Our two side goals are not really good enough really for practice. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not great. And their, their location is kind of off. So we only use our two main goals of practice. So we'll probably shoot 53 mm-hmm. per game, uh, excuse me, for practice for every player. And we'd split up on two sides and, you know, this old drill of, you know, having lines of, of, guys shooting it try to replicate game pace as much as possible but you know shoot follow get your rebound come back pass it to a teammate and then close out on that teammate to make sure he's shooting with some distraction and just work on that you know every practice give everybody 53s let them you know let them know what they're doing and um and then we do the small sided games where we you know try to try to just replicate things we're going to do in the game again whether it's three on three we'll start sometimes with you know our but we always start in how our offense looks. So we'll have maybe the point guards on the right. We'll have the ball side wing, uh, some, an offensive player there, and then our trailer. Sometimes we'll go – we'll have our, our weak side wing, so somebody's on the opposite wing from the ball. And, okay, how's that look? How does that play with space? Just try to give them ideas of, of what it might look like in the game and and go from there. And that's pretty much all we do. And then we always end with probably about 10 minutes of controlled scrimmage, basically just to – because the guys, you know, middle school kids and I'm sure high school kids love going against yeah. each other every day and, and trying to trying to beat their buddies. So so we'll do a control scrimmage where we start with a free throw. Uh, and again, the system very important. You don't let kids go up and down and get tired. You don't want them to get in the habit of playing tired because then they'll start coasting. So we'll just you know we'll start with a free throw, go up and down both times with both of both sides doing what we do. You know, pressing, running, but we'll stop it after about 45 seconds. Give everyone a chance to get a break you know, talk a little bit and then go back with another free throw or baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. We'll even practice jump balls just to make sure, okay, we're ready to go. If the other team does get the jump, how are we going to attack them straight from the start? Things like that. We That's how that's how we do our practice and then end with some free throws. And before you know what it's over. Yeah, I love that. And I think Chris Oliver, um, I don't know if you know Chris Oliver from Basketball Immersion. Um I think he would love your practice, man. A lot of small-sided game. Everything's offense, defense. Um, I think that's really cool. And it sounds like, to me, you have a lot of chaos in your practice, which I think is a sign of a good practice. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I I would say, you know, I would say 85 95% of our practices are geared toward offense just because, you know, it's so difficult to replicate, you know, because our, our offense is ready for our defense kind of a practice and scrimmage. So really the only – we'll do a couple of breakdown drills for defenses. Uh, and certainly if we see something in a game, we'll we'll address it at practice. But we'll probably take five or ten minutes to do some some drills, trapping drills, things like that to get us ready. But about everything else we do is more offensive related. Uh, we want to make sure, you know, our players can dribble, shoot, pass, all that stuff. I just, I just think those skills are so important and translate uh, down the road. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of how we do it. Yeah. If I was a high school coach, I'd be sending you a thank you note. Uh, Cause you're really developing. I, not only your best players, but all the players. And I think that you're doing, you're uh, doing a great service to the, the local high school program. I, uh, and oh, well, we, we, my middle school coach is great here. Cause we play all the kids 
Um, we don't win as much at the middle school level, but I really don't care as much at the middle school level. I want to get more kids in the program. So it sounds like that's what you're also trying to teach them for the future. That's right. I mean, I, you know, as I tell all of our players all the time, you know, it's winning. Certainly everyone wants to win and we're, we want to win too. And we want to do it in a way where everyone contributes and everyone plays and we're going to, you know, do what we think is the right way. And uh, we just want everybody again, getting better, getting skills. And, you know, it's always, you know, this past year we had a, a one of our players played basketball for the first time. Uh, he's a great football player. Uh, it's probably going to be our, our high school here is really a, a great one of our state powers in, in high school. Uh, so he's going to be a great football player down the road. First year he's ever played basketball. His mom sent me a text and said he had uh, gotten on with a, uh, a travel basketball team for this summer uh, because he loved basketball so much now wanted to do more that's of it. Great. I mean, I think that's great. You're, you're teaching kids to, to love the game and to, to get better and, you know, and then obviously you're trying to do things off the court, teach them to be better students, better, better human beings, more responsible, things like that. And uh, it's just, uh, I mean, that's just, just what we're trying to do. And, and you, you're right. I mean, I don't think middle school, you know, no one gets big bonuses for <laughs> right. middle school championships or anything. We're, we're just trying to do the best. Absolutely. Uh, my, my last couple of questions here is positive and negative, I guess, consequences or, or results from running the system. I'm, I'm sure not everybody, is going, oh, man, I, I love it. Because that, that's just not the way it is, right? Uh, what are some things that – what are some criticisms of you running the system? Well, I think you you would run into, you know, when once the player does get it to the high school, if the high school is playing traditionally, you know, they're not accustomed to maybe, you know, playing 30 minutes a game, 28 minutes a game, where – Again, I would I would certainly say they're putting the same physical exertion out in playing half the game at the middle school level, but I do think there's something to making sure you can sustain on the court when you're playing for playing the entire first quarter once you get to high school. You know, they're if they come from middle school, they're not accustomed to that. Now, fortunately for us, or we have a really great travel program here that uh, most of of my players will participate in, and then those players are going to play in high school. So. Uh, so they get that experience in the summer playing, you know, more traditionally where they play, you know, three quarters of the game versus only playing half the game. I, I do think that's something that people would say. And, and I understand that, that there is a skill to pacing yourself to stay on the court when you're playing traditionally, whereas in the system, pacing yourself, you, you don't want to do that. You want to go all out every minute you're on the court. So there's, there's probably that skill they're not learning. Uh, another thing I would – another valid – uh, criticism, I guess, would be is we do what we do. We know we never deviate. So there might be something to a player learning how to make adjustments in a game as far as, okay, we're playing man-to-man. It's not working. Now we're going to play 2-3 zone or we're going to play a half-court trap or we're, you know, we're not – this offensive set is not working, so now we're going to run this offensive set. So they're not having to learn a bunch of plays. I could, I think that could be – uh, again, a valid criticism because that, that's all part of traditional basketball too, right? I mean, I, we played, you know, our our girls team this year, they had five or six different offensive sets they ran. So those players will probably be more ready for high school as far as running different sets than my players because we never ran a set. And so I think that's that's probably something that uh, could, could hurt. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because what I'm thinking is why aren't more – schools it's almost like in football where you know football in college now is you know this you know the spread offense and it's going to be different now now it has filtered up i guess is the correct term kind of more to the college now the college game is more of a spread look and so forth um but in in college basketball there's very few teams running any type of system uh, you know, other than the traditional right. systems, why aren't more schools running at the high school? Is it because they, they think they're not preparing their kids for the next level? Or, I mean, there has to be a why. Yeah, I really believe that, and this is totally my opinion, could be wrong, <laughs> but from, you know, years of covering college basketball as a sports writer and watching it as a fan, yeah, I think there's something about 
you think of the the great college coaches or the coaches that that have the uh, reputation, you know, the Mike Shashevskis, John Calipari, Roy Williams, you know, those coaches are involved in every single possession for the most part. You know, they're they're pacing up and down the sideline. They're you know kind of giving instruction to their players every time. I think people have come grown accustomed to the belief right. that that is what coaching is where you direct your players every second, almost as if you're, you know, using your hand to play checkers every possession. The system is such a – you give up control. I mean, yes, you have a say in who goes in the game, who comes out. You know, essentially, though, during the game, uh, I mean, I don't call out any instruction while play is going. You know, I don't tell a kid, hey, we're going to run, you know, play three this time. Remember, you're going to do a pin down and do this. No, I mean, our kids just get the ball and go. So I think there's a belief that it's not – you're not coaching. You know, you're you're more giving up the reins. And I do believe that a lot of coaches probably would have a hard time doing that. You know, uh, we, the coach and, and my, myself and the gentleman that helped me this year, a uh, great guy, we, we sit down during the games and we let our players play. And now when they come off the court, when their shift is up, we will instruct them, hey – Next time, do this. Maybe try this on this trap. But during the play, we're not we're not up directing everything. We're not you know orchestrating the action on the court. And I do believe most people feel that's what coaching is, and you can't do that with a system. So I think that turns. That's a great point. Really Yesterday, good. I was listening to Mike Neighbors, uh, women's coach at Arkansas. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you know who he is. That guy's brilliant, and he was talking on the podcast about. Coaching, they evaluate what they call coaching the play. And they want to limit. They said, if you're coaching every play, first of all, the players have no clue what you're saying. You're over coaching. So they really evaluate themselves on do not coach the play. All right. Let the players play. But when they game, when there's stoppage, that's when you can coach them. That's so true. How many coaches do you see? I think about, I would say about 95% are coaching the play. And the kids have no clue what they're saying. They're actually distracting them. Yeah. I mean, how many times – I just think the high school games I'll go see and, you know, uh, a team, you know, gets the ball and it's kind of a helpful skeleton. And the point guard or whoever has the ball will start building up the court and the coach will go, whoa, 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 stop. You know, hey, let's run. Let's run this. We're going to run – you know, and they stop. Again, again, nothing wrong with that. That's how people do it. I just think – that coach, whoever does that, would not be comfortable running the system because, again, the system, you literally – you just – you give up control. You know, there just there's no other way to say it. You give up control during the games. And, and I tell our kids all the time, you know, I'm a firm believer in the players have the game. They control the game. Coaches run practice. So, in a game, I tell them all the time, again, all about trying to create this mentality, I'm not going to – be up arguing with referees over a call. I'm not going to be up, you know, instructing a player during the game. I'm going to let you guys handle the game. Now, if, if something egregious happens and I think the referee made a mistake, I will go to certainly go to the referee during a free throw or somewhere or stoppage and say, you know, hey, can you tell me what that was? But I think too many coaches get caught up in, again, my opinion, like I'm, I'm the arbiter of all the coaches. Sure. I just need to get caught up in, you know, of watching, of, of being so competitive and wanting to control everything that, you know, you complain to a referee about a travel that might not have been called on one end and that sticks with you for two or three possessions. And then, you know, I, I just think let the kids play, let them learn that, hey, there's going to be ups and downs. I tell them all the time, referees are going to miss calls. I mean, it's a part of the game. You have to, you have to live with it and find a way to move on just like, if a teammate misses a layup, you can't dwell on that. You have to pick that teammate up and make sure they're ready to go. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's so weird. I mean, I just am a firm believer of letting the, letting the players control the game. And then I tell them all the time, practice is my time. The game is your time. Yeah. And that's that, and you know, I mean, as coaches, time. we got to be mentally tough as well. We teach our players to play through stuff when we're on the sideline and we're not playing through stuff. So I think, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we as coaches have to be honest with you, put the seatbelt on, sit down, and let things – I know that sounds kind of crazy, but yep. um, I think that's a better trend for coaches 
in the future. And I, I love what you're saying about that. But um, but you, you're still coaching, but in a different way. Right. That's right. I mean, you're coaching like again, and the system is unique in that we have we don't use any of our timeouts really till the end of the game. You know, we'll play the first three three and a half quarters, and we'll just let things go. I mean, if the other team's on a 10-0 run, okay, great. I'm not going to call a timeout to stop that. We're going to keep playing because we want to keep pace. Now, we save our timeout, so the second, the, the last you know, two or three minutes of the game, we'll put our best five players, what we think is our best five players out there, if the game's in doubt, and we'll put them out there and let them go the last little bit, and then we'll use timeout strategically for them to get rest, also to set up press, things like that. So – but so the system's unique, though, in that every time a shift change happens, you got five new players going in, five coming out. You've got 90 seconds with those five players who were just on the court to say, okay, here's, here's what I see. What did you see? Or great job. Or, again, did you think about maybe doing this? When you set that trap over there, got, somebody's got to cover the backside. Things like you're, you're coaching throughout the game, but just in a one-on-one basis on the bench versus, you know, kind of yelling and yeah that's great and let's be honest saying less is so much better just short quick comments and then you know you might get a response a lot of times kids i mean they hear you but you know i mean their their minds in the game we forget that distraction we don't want to distract our kids so that, that's a whole nother podcast right there keith um hey but i i really appreciate you sharing yeah, man you're sure. doing a great job i think some of the best coaches in america um are our middle school coaches i think we don't I don't think we focus enough on our middle school coaches. I think the value, because you guys are teaching the kids at a, at a young age that will carry them up to the high school level and further. So I appreciate what you're doing and thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. And thank you so much for what you do. I think I told you, I, I started listening to your podcast last summer. Uh, I believe when you had that little sit, the little, uh, I guess, <laughs> Mini series on the system we had. I know you had Mike Gale, you had uh, Gary Smith, some other guys, and and just loved it. And and again, got so inspired. I downloaded the Anchor app to sure. think of maybe doing some of my own things, and, and haven't gotten to it yet. But but man, I really appreciate what you do and the opportunity to listen to coaches from all around the country who have different perspective. I think it's it's a great thing. That's one of the one of the positives of this downtime we've all had because of the viruses. You know these these virtual clinics that so many people are doing you know our buddy mark hart that's doing those system zoom sessions you know a couple of times a week it's just a great opportunity to develop yourself as a coach and as a person and 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 i really enjoy yeah that yeah that's, that's well said i appreciate you uh tuning in to the podcast and uh i'm so glad it's helping coaches because that's the purpose of it uh, but i gotta tell you i'm stealing a lot of stuff as well man i'm the best thief in the world so uh, I'm going to steal a lot of things that you're doing. Hey, how can how can people how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Uh, best way uh, email is uh, Keith Parsons. That's K E I T H P A R S O N S at Richmond dot K twelve dot N C dot U S. That's my school email address. Keith Parsons at Richmond dot K twelve dot N C dot U S. I'm also on Twitter uh, at KP2World, so KP, the number two world, uh, is my Twitter handle. So reach out to me there and uh, be happy to, to help anybody. I can you know, talk system or anything. Keith, thank you I so much for coming on, man. I hope they do the race today there in Charlotte. So, <laughs> so hey, hey who, who do you see winning? Who do you see winning the race uh, today? Uh, I'll tell you what, it's kind of hard to go against Kyle Busch anytime you talk with any type of NASCAR series. So uh, so I'll say Kyle Busch. Okay, I'm going to have to change my bets. Okay. (laughs) All right, take care, Coach. Thank you. All right, see you. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast.